0: happy tenant is a good tenant. We did not intend to be in the property management business. The property management industry is very sharing. We're providing housing for human lives. And life happens to everybody.
1: You don't manage as many properties as I do without the stories. Like six grown men jump back (laughs) like, what the hell was that? Something's about to eat us.
0: You're listening to The Property Manager Podcast, brought to you by Buildion. Real stories, real people. I'm Caroline Thompson from Buildium, and this is the Property Manager Podcast. We created this show to learn about your stories and adventures that you've experienced in property management. That being said, I loved learning about Melissa Clinton's story. She's the co-owner and broker associate of at-home properties in Texas and works alongside her mother and her husband. Melissa's mother, Lynn, has been involved in the industry for 30 years and is the one who actually first started the company. Today, Melissa has been involved in the industry for 17 years and has served on multiple boards from their Realtors Association to the Women's Council of Realtors in Texas. She credits networking and creating those valuable relationships, among many other factors, for continually improving their company growth. Let's take a lesson.
1: My name is Melissa Clinton. I am co-owner and broker associate of At Home Properties. My mother, actually, she's uh, my partner, my business partner, and I grew up in the real estate business. I'm third generation realtor. My mom's company was growing and she needed help and I wanted to be closer to family with children and everything. So that's how it came about.
0: At Home Properties has been a part of the community for 30 years and has built a reliable and trustworthy reputation. I asked Melissa to give us some background on what they do day to day and how they're leaving their mark on the industry.
1: We're realtors. We're a full service real estate firm. A lot of Companies here in town, they just do sales. There are some companies in town who will not allow their agents to do management because there is so much more involved, and you know, more rules that you have to um, abide by, regulations, property code, all that kind of stuff. And it does take more than just oh, I'm going to manage this property. So there are firms here in town who will not allow their agents to manage properties and and do that, but they can do leasing. We have companies in town who strictly do locating so they will lease for anybody who has something to lease and they don't do management they just do the leasing side of it we tell our clients all the time we're here you want to buy sell lease manage we can do it all i've worked with first-time buyers you know that come in they're moving to town to teach at a m or you know whatever and say they move away, but they think they may be coming back, so they want to rent the place. So then they come back to us and, and we rent their house and manage it until they decide to you know, go ahead and sell it or uh, you know, just continue using it as an investment property. We have one client uh, that my mom has worked with for years and years. I mean, since uh, he was one of her first clients, I believe. We have just sold his grandchildren a house. Now he's got investment properties too that he rents out. We have those clients that we've worked with for decades. We have investors that say, hey, I need to, you know, buy a property. And we have people who've never even seen the property. They strictly go off of our recommendations and, you know, viewing properties online.
0: Despite growing up close to the real estate business, Melissa did not initially pursue a career in the field. It wasn't until she was looking to move back home to be close to her family that it all started to fall into place. Her mother was in need of some assistance running the business, so it was a natural transition for her to start working with at-home properties.
1: I grew up in the real estate business. I'm third-generation realtor. I was working for Verizon, managing a help desk, and my mom's company was growing and she needed help, and I wanted to be closer to family with children and everything. That's how it came about.
0: We all know how stressful and unpredictable being a property manager is, but I wanted to hear Melissa's perspective on the pros and cons of the role, especially since it's so intertwined in our family's lives. I asked her what types of challenges that brings.
1: You know, the pros with being in property, specializing in property management as we do versus just being an agent, a sales agent. The main positive on that would be that, you know, you can kind of budget and manage your money and your finances easier than if you're just working strictly on commission you know with the management of course you have um, management fees coming in and you can budget for everything both personally and professionally you know you have more bread and butter so to speak to me the biggest negative about it is you know you really have to be prepared to manage your time and have to be constantly be available to provide the type of customer support we we want you know, uh, the service for our tenants and our owners. And so sometimes that can kind of get in the way of, you know, planning family vacations and especially when you work with your mother and your husband.
0: As we all know, and as Melissa says, the property management business is 24 seven with things always popping up. I asked Melissa, how does she balance the work life aspect since she lives with her coworkers?
1: We have three other agents that work with us, um, you know, office staff. People often ask us, How is it working with your husband? Or, you know, they ask my husband, How is it working with your mother in law? We get along great. I mean, of course, there's times where we want to ring each other's necks, type thing, but we work in different areas uh, within the company. So it's, you know, we have our established departments, you know, and so it's, we really don't see each other a whole lot. It's hard for us to go home and shut off. Work and not have conversations about work at home. You know, we have to say, ah, wait, no, no work. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a problem. Maybe just a, a challenge at times. We've become a lot better about it over, you know, the years. I've been in the business 17 years, I guess. My husband's been in about 15. It's more of a habit now where, when the kids are around, we don't talk about work unless it's an emergency, you know, call that comes in or something like that. Our kids are really. Our kids are fantastic. They're great about understanding, you know. Hey, this call, emergency call's coming in, or an owner's calling. We got to stop your family stuff for a second. And actually, both of our kids have come in and helped us out in the office. You know, doing little filing stuff. It's just it's part of our family, really.
0: As I mentioned earlier in this episode, it was Melissa's mother, Lynn, who actually created this company. So it was a natural transition for Melissa. But I wanted to learn more about what made her mother get involved in property management.
1: She's been in the business 30 years. So she got in the business when there was no internet and contracts were press hard, third copy's yours kind of thing, you know, in triplicate. And uh, my dad was a dentist. She was running the business with him. And I guess she had decided, you know, she wanted to do something on her own. She had to go and take the test and then waited weeks to get the results. She just did that. And she did sales for a really long time. Um, she got into property management it kind of just happened working with one of um, her brokers um, then he wanted out of the management business so she bought that from him and it took a lot of pushing from my dad uh, for her to believe that she could do it and um, I mean she's done a fantastic job since Melissa's
0: family is so deeply involved in property management and has been for years I wanted to know what industry changes they've witnessed over time.
1: My mom, she had the test on paper and, you know, the contracts were all on paper. MLS listings were a binder you got, like, every. It was nothing like it is today. When I got into the business, the internet had already kind of started, so um, listings were in MLS online. Um, but our website wasn't um, they had just developed the website and it was basically a spreadsheet that our receptionist would upload every week and um, you know we were still doing newspaper ads but, and um, at the time the management software we used was basically a glorified access database it's crazy to think how much things have changed I mean when I came in we had maybe a hundred properties um, You know, and now we're close to 800. Big difference in 17 years.
0: It's crazy to think how different the industry was when Melissa's mother first started the company to where it is today. Technology has certainly affected how many things are handled. But I asked Melissa what else she thinks, besides technology, has affected their overall growth.
1: Well, I think technology, of course, helped. Um, I wouldn't say it, you know, was a, a main. Catalyst in our growth. It's a lot of our um, business is word of mouth. Um, you know, we have owners from all over the world. You know, they refer family. Uh, we've got one owner who has close to 200 properties between him and his friends and family. You know, then they just keep referring people to us and. Um, You know, of course, we work really well with other agents here in town who refer people to us. And both my mother and I have been on the board here at the association. My mom a couple of times has, you know, run through the board and was president of both the MLS and the association. I I served on the board as president of the association. And I also chartered our local network for Women's Council of Realtors here. And went through that and on into the state board on that. So that alone has really helped grow our business. Um, You know, local agents and businesses got to, you know, really got to know us and our ethics and the way we conduct our business and things like that. And so, you know, we really built a a good referral base, fear of influence, as they say, you know, and then, of course, working with other realtors around the state from being on the state board, we get referrals through that as well. So I would say a lot of it is um, the growth is based on networking, really.
0: Networking is so valuable in the property management industry and it was inspiring to hear how much emphasis Melissa and her mother place on it. From being on multiple boards to working closely with other realtors around the state, they've built their company through word of mouth and a good referral base. Since I'm not too familiar with board opportunities and the Women's Council of Realtors, I asked Melissa to go into more detail and where others can find information.
1: Our Realtors Association here, we have Two boards. So we have a separate board for our MLS, which kind of governs the MLS rules and you know listings and how things are put in and the the actual system for MLS. You know, the changing of the fields and all that. And then our association board that governs our um, rules within the association. You can put a sign for this. Don't put a sign for that. Leave a card. All that kind of stuff. And continuing education for our realtors, community involvement, you know, working with Habitat for Humanity, our realtor luncheons, all that kind of stuff is done through the association board. I served officially on the association board, but being president of the association, you're also on the MLS board because the two have to work very closely together to make sure that we're serving you know, our clients properly and within the guidelines of the Texas Association of Realtors plus, you know of course, the national. So we worked on that. And then I did the association once and then women's council. I just kind of fell into that being on the association board. You know, we have to travel and go to conventions and, you know, of course, get education to bring back to the rest of the board and agents. I had seen these ladies, you know, that just seemed like they were having so much fun and found out who they were. And, you know, they said, oh, we're women's council. You know, y'all should come check out a meeting and join us and Went to a meeting and said, hey, how do I do this? And it just kind of took off from there. I served president uh, for, I guess, a year and a half from the time we started. Went from there. I was elected onto the state board as a district vice president. From there, I was elected uh, treasurer. Unfortunately, I had to resign before continuing on to be president just because family issues you know, my dad got sick, kids, school stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then just needing to be here to continue to run our business and things like that. So it was so great. I learned so much from serving on the association board and on women's council. I had this fear of public speaking, even in college, it was horrible. I've had a lot of personal growth. And I encourage anybody I talk to, you know, women's council isn't just for women, even though it's women's council. You know, it's, we have several male members, including my husband. They, they like it and they, too, learn a lot. You know, the luncheons are all about bringing education to the members and, um, you know, trying to help them be more successful in their business and in their family lives as well. Every state licenses differently. For us here, if you're going to be an actual a real tour. Versus a real estate agent, then you're a member, you have to be a member of the National Association of Realtors. And I would assume that that's kind of how it is in every other state. So if you're not a member of the National Association, then you're not a realtor, you're a real estate agent. There's a difference. The National Association has very strict ethics and things that rules that we have to adhere to. With that, here in Texas, once you're licensed, here in College Station, you know, Brian, especially, if you are sponsored by a broker that is a member of the board of the association, then you automatically have to be a member of the association. And through being a member of our local association, then you're also a member of the state and national association. Pretty much if you work here in Brian College Station you have to be a member of the association. Now you can also join, there are several members here in Bryan College Station who are also members of the Houston Association of Realtors. Um, You know, you can go and join the different associations. If it's someone new, you know, trying to get licensed here in Texas, we have the Texas Real Estate Commission. They are a great resource for being able to find local associations. You know, our local association and women's council work well together. They kind of feed off of each other. You know, if you join one, you're you're bound to care about the other. Um, but, of course, Google. You could probably just Google realtor association.
0: I then asked Melissa what other resources she recommends for property managers to be aware of to not only maximize their business, but to also learn more about the industry.
1: You know, any new agent need to get involved. I mean, even if it's just so much as, you know, going to the luncheon, maybe getting on a a hospitality committee or a committee that doesn't require a lot of time. In our association, we have all sorts of different committees, some that need you to lead the pledge or the invocation at the luncheon or things where you're helping to fundraise for our PAC, our political action committee, and interview candidates for the local and things like that. So, I mean, it depends on how much time they have to give, but they get to know other agents within the association and learn from people's um, transactions, you know, got a weird transaction and you're not sure how to handle it. Um, You know, just having someone else to kind of soundboard and, you know, bounce ideas off of, it really helps. And then, same with women's council for people who are a little intimidated getting involved on the association side women's council is smaller a a great way to meet other agents that can help you um, or at least lead you to someone who can help you build your business and just kind of use the mold that they've built and you know not have to start completely from scratch not knowing anything about you know how to run the business or how to set up a business and you know, things like that.
0: Throughout our conversation, Melissa covers the ins and outs of networking and where to learn more about the industry. But it all comes down to practicing it in your actual day to day. I asked Melissa, how did she reach the point where people can continually trust her and her team and the services they're providing?
1: Well, you know, we um, are very meticulous about our process, you know, that we have in place when it comes to managing your property. Just having been in this town as long as we have, even outside of real estate. I mean, I grew up here. I've been here since first grade. Again, it's word of mouth. You know, we start with a few and then they refer people. This is such a great town. Um, You know, it's great for investment uh, properties. Back when real estate kind of had the ground you know the floor fall out from beneath everybody our area wasn't hit as bad as you know some of the the bigger towns we're kind of in a bubble having university here and and things like that i mean it we it wasn't the best time but it um you know wasn't bad and we've been very successful again just trying to stay involved in the community and keep our name out there and so i mean our success rates you know our occupancy and leasing year over year have been you know 98% 98% occupied, 100% occupied. I think the lowest it's been um, in several years was probably uh, last year and it was like at 97%. You know, and that's also including the properties that we get because people aren't happy with their management. You know, towards the end of the leasing season, that's when you see a lot of shifting in owners taking their properties to another management company. They didn't get it leased for whatever reason. And those statistics have those properties factored in there too. And, and we're very honest with our owners. If they bring us, a, 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 hey, I'm interested in this property. I saw it on, you know, Zillow or whatever, we'll go take a look at it for them. Or a lot, oftentimes we know the area and um, we say, yeah, that's not a great area. I would look at this or yes, that would be great. Or, you know, here's what we think you could rent it for. You know, we just try to be very honest about how we feel about the property and try to look at it as if it was us, purchasing this property or, you know, needing to purchase a property, would this be one we would buy? You know, we try to look at it for, you know, is this something we would do? Um, and if not, then we tell our owners, you know, we don't want to, because it doesn't do you any good to lead an owner in a direction and then fail at leasing the property or managing the property. All that does is put uh, you know, a bad taste in, in the owner's mouth for your service. So we won't take any properties in management that we don't feel will fit well within our inventory or that we don't believe we can manage or meet the owner's expectations. I mean we've had some owners who say, Hey, another agent sold me this property and they say I can get two grand for it. Well, no, actually we feel you can get, you know, fifteen hundred for it. So we'll try it. You want to Put it on the market for two grand by all means we'll do it but we don't think it's going to you know get to that rate we just try to be very honest and set ex- realistic expectations for our owners and what we can um and do for them because if you set unrealistic expectations you're really just setting yourself and the owner up for failure and that no, doesn't do any good for anybody
0: We've heard multiple times over the past few episodes how important it is to build strong and trusting relationships with your owners and your tenants so it's a win-win for everyone. I've quickly learned that open and honest communication is a great first step in fostering and maintaining these types of relationships. I wanted Melissa's take on this and to understand how she's seen its effects.
1: You're gonna make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes. Taking that accountability when you do and rectifying it and you know, getting your owner happy or your tenants happy. Happy tenants mean happy owners. It's one big, um, you know, circle and it all feeds into each other. You know, so we do everything we can to keep our tenants happy, you know, keep our owners happy, you know, getting the rental rates they want and return on their investment. And, but yet, you know, offering great places for our tenants to live, you know, maintaining the property. Of course, we've been in situations where owners and us did not agree on how to maintain the property. And, We had to make the decision to terminate, you know, that agreement and just say, okay, we both have different views on how this should be handled. And, you know, obviously, we're not going to be a successful partnership and achieving both of our goals. Of course, you know, new in the business, you just want to take everything. And through the years, um, you know, I've learned there's a time to say, no, that's, that's not for me you know, of course, no one likes to turn away business and, and potential money. There's a time where you have to weigh your output. <laughs> Again, if you say, yes, I'll take on this business and you know it's not right, you may not put your heart and soul into it. Um, then, of course, then you're not going to have a happy client. And that's just leads to bad word of mouth and so on and so forth. So, you know, we just, we try to be very forthright and forthcoming with our tenants and our owners and and everybody involved in our business, and we try to look at it as, you know, they're all an extended part of our family.
0: Melissa makes a great point that you have to learn to say no sometimes. If it's truly not a good fit for your company, that's okay. It's also a great life lesson, so I asked her what other lessons she's learned along the way that she'd like to share.
1: You know that old saying, patience is a virtue? (laughs) You definitely have to have patience in this business. Um, You know, you get And you have to learn to be able to read people, you know, try not to take it, everything personally. You know, you'll have tenants that are upset for whatever reason. Um, You know, I just try to treat everyone with respect, regardless of who they are or how they're, you know, treating me. You know, you have to learn to stand your ground and abide by the regulations and rules that are set for you, but also still serve patience is huge especially in in property management time management would be another thing to learn for sure you know prioritizing what needs to be done because there's always going to be something that pops up that um you know is unexpected and has to be handled right now and you just have to learn to prioritize to you know be able to get everything done and, and manage you know all the daily checklists of things and i mean i would say with time management and patience and just perseverance.
0: With 17 years under her belt and many years ahead of her, I asked Melissa what continually motivates her to keep going. This business can be very cumbersome. So how do property managers always maintain their passion for the industry?
1: I can't believe it's been 17 years. It's gone by very quickly. It's um, something new every day, even if it's just something minor. You know, so it's, it doesn't get re- too repetitive and mundane. and I like the people aspect of it, you know, so I like being able to interact with that, you know, with different people and, you know, try to just have compassion for people. Someone comes in and they're mad because I'm calling them because they haven't paid their rent, you know, and they're screaming at me. I just try to think, well, you know, they must be in in a tough situation. So just try to calm them down and let them know, hey, we're here for you. Just communicate. And, you know, I'd say probably most of all is just working with my family. We're very blessed. Be able to to do that and to work together.
0: To wrap up our interview, I had to ask Melissa what her favorite industry story is, and she definitely didn't disappoint. Actually, she had two great stories for us, and let's just say I've now learned what not to do when I get a dog.
1: Oh my gosh! I mean, we've had we've had to call SWAT out on tenants. That was interesting. I would say that was probably one of them because it was twice in one week. Unfortunately, the tenant was was not well, and it was a, a well check. So we went over there and the place was booby trapped. You know we had SWAT team there. They had to send a robot in to make sure there was nothing in the property, you know, that would harm anybody entering the property. And I've had tenants, oh gosh, just probably within my first couple of years. Um, you know, lesson learned went in. Uh, tenants had had a big dog in the property, damaged the carpet. I was like, oh no, I'll get it cleaned and. My mom said, uh, No, you're not. You're not going to get that clean. You need to replace the carpet. So I had it cleaned and it smelled fine. I had tenants come in. The poor girls came in just so upset and crying. It smells, you know, horrible, dog urine, you know, this and that. So I ate crow and said, You're right. I made a mistake. Had the carpet replaced very quickly. And the girls went from screaming and yelling at me to bringing flowers to my office. And every year, every year, there's something new that pops up. We're always
0: saying on the show that property management is a storytelling business, and that couldn't be more true for Melissa. It was interesting to hear how Melissa found herself working alongside her mother and husband and how they handle all that comes with it. After talking with Melissa and learning the company history behind at-home properties, you know they're all in it for the right reasons, and this deeply resonates with their local community. This also has greatly affected their overall success. What I found most exciting during our chat was the networking aspect. The opportunities Melissa discussed sound like a great time to hear and learn from your peers, which you know we're all about. As always, if you loved today's story or if we didn't cover something you'd like to hear more of, please let us know. Feel free to email us questions and comments at podcast at or find Buildium on social media and use the hashtag #buildiumpodcast. I promise you we'll read every single one and only help us to continually improve our show. So thank you in advance. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Property Manager podcast to not miss out on any future episodes. We'll be releasing a new one every other week. Thanks for listening.